evening, Galatians chapter 4, verse 9, uh, c- continuing the, the, the sermon that I had started this morning and ultimately last Sunday morning, uh, The Boundaries of Freedom, this will be part 3, and uh, we spoke about a little bit, we spoke about some this morning about returning to Egypt, the Egypt Syndrome. And it is so often in our lives that we return to the very things that bring us into bondage. And that is exactly what the Israelites would do. They were complaining and moaning and groaning. We have no water. We have no food. We have no meat. Moses, you're not good for us. So on and so forth. The complaints carried on for the 40 years of Israel being in the desert in the wilderness. And they didn't, they didn't realize and they had forgotten from the bondage that they had been delivered. They had forgotten the hard bondage of a king who sought to kill the baby boys. They th- forgot about the bondage of a king who would whip them to death, work them in the hot sun of the Egyptian desert. They would complain to God and complain about Moses seeking to take them into the desert to ultimately eradicate them. That's what their thoughts were. Very irrational, but that is what their thoughts were. In Galatians chapter 4, verse 9, But now, after that ye have known God, or rather known of God, how turn ye again to the weak and beggarly elements, whereunto ye desire again to be in bondage? And so I started the series, as I started this morning, and as we concluded this morning, began to talk about some items that will return us to the bondage of Egypt. There is nothing that will give us the freedom outside of the Lord Jesus Christ. In the very beginning of Genesis chapter 2, verse 15, he says of the trees of the, you know, you can freely eat of all the trees of the, of, of the garden. And then he gives the exception. Don't eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. So God is the, the creator of freedom. But freedom has boundaries. And it's in our lives so many times that we desire to return to bondage. Because we're following certain things in our life. Thinking that the grass is greener on the other side of the fence. And we know that saying, we know that thought, right? The grass is never greener on the other side. It might just be different, but there's some new traps. And so as we continue this thought this evening, I want want to continue the list of some items that will return you to an Egyptian bondage. And so let's go to the Lord and ask for his blessing upon this time, and we'll continue our study. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you. Father, I thank you for the fact that with the Israelites and even with myself, God, your grace does not cast me to the curb when we start whining and complaining. Lord, when we look at circumstances, not through godly spectacles, but through carnal glasses. Father, I pray tonight that whatever areas of our life wherein we are not in freedom, that Father, we'd begin to have thoughts of truth wherein we could be led to freedom. 
And so, Lord, I pray any of these areas in our lives that we may be thinking, now I can have freedom. That if it is not a freedom in you, Lord, I pray that we would shun it, we'd reject it. And, Lord, we would run back to you. God, I need your help. Take my words, take my thoughts. And Lord, work in our hearts and lives as you can only through your word. I love you and thank you for your grace. In Jesus' precious name I pray, amen. In the list that I had started off this morning, I said the first thing that will take us back into bondage is our vanity, wherein we have an ex- a pride in our own achievements, that I did this and I can do this and I'm a self-made person. And we, ex- we can live for self and expect freedom because now I am the, the destiny. I choose my destiny. The second thing to bring us in bondage is immorality or relationships. Sometimes people think, if I get into a relationship and I get a boyfriend or I get a girlfriend, then I'll be happy. And oftentimes, I've seen it over and over, someone begins to serve God, they get into a relationship they shouldn't be in, they get into that relationship, and that relationship takes them down a hard path, and you find them years later, and they're like, man, (laughs) what happened? World's upside down, I'm in a bad situation. They thought that that, uh, that relationship was more important than God, and ended up coming to find out that that relationship was a very bad decision. Another thing that people might think, a third thing, is wealth. If I have enough money, then I can buy my freedom. If I have enough money, but the Bible tells us, 1 Timothy 6.10, For the love of money is the root of all evil, which while some coveted after, they have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. So if I have money, then I can do with as I want. Even these billionaires of the world today think that I have freedom to do as I please because they have all this money and they can do whatever sinful thing they want and they think they're above judgment not realizing that God can at any moment, he can kill them, he can destroy their, their entire uh, enterprise, he can, God, they're just under the grace of God. But they're still, they end up becoming shackled to their wealth because now people want their money, now they need to have bodyguards because they have all this money, so now they don't have freedom to move around because they have to have bodyguards to protect them so someone doesn't kidnap their kids, so someone doesn't shoot them. I mean, there's not freedom there. What about another one? And this is where we pick up. If I have friends, if I have parties and fun, then I have freedom. I'll unloose the shackles of religion. I'll unloose the shackles of biblical Christianity. I don't need church anymore. I don't need God. I'm going to go party and I'm going to have a good time with friends. I want you to go. I, I wish we could have the prodigal son today to go talk with him. Or you talk with some individuals uh, just in our society in general and say how, you know, and I I remember watching a BBC documentary and it was talking with a gentleman there in uh, British Columbia. He said, I wish I would have never taken the first hit of drugs. I wish I would have never. And a lot of people say, well, you know, when I party, I'm not going to do drugs. I'm not going to do all this bad stuff. But you don't know what you're going to do when in the heat of the moment. If freedom is not found in God and it's found in my friends and the fun 
that fun will wear out after a time. The money will run out. The energy will wear out. Something's going to wear out. And as we get older and our bodies hurt, you can't do the same things you used to do when you were younger. So is that freedom still? Amnon, again, in the, the story of Amnon, he had a, a friend who was very, Jonadab, a very subtle man, and his friend gave him bad advice. Have you ever had someone give you bad advice, and they said they were your friend, but that bad advice would lead you down a bad direction? Jonathan, now in contrast to that, a godly friend will continue to point you back to God, right? So that's a godly friend is helpful. But they continue to point you back to God who is the source of freedom. The source of a clear conscience. Another thing that might take you away is you're removed from parents. I'm done with mom and dad. I'm out of their house. I'm moving forward. Proverbs 30 verse 17. The eye that mocketh at his father and despiseth to obey his mother. The ravens of the valley shall pick it out and the young eagles shall eat it. I mean, that's the same thing the prodigal said. Dad, I'm tired of you. I'm tired of the rules. I'm tired of all the hard work. I'm going to go and live however I want. Give me my inheritance now. I'm moving forward. I, I have, you know, and sometimes, I, you know, I thought about it when I graduated high school and I, and I go to university, you know, it's like, woohoo, I'm free. And then you know what happens in that freedom? The bills, the taxes, the workload. The expectations. I didn't expect all of that, you know. <laughs> you know, another thing the Bible tells us in 1 John 4, 1, Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits, whether they are of God, because many false prophets are gone out to the world. Sorcery, witchcraft, and spiritism are not freedom. We like to... You know, King Saul would go to a woman with a familiar spirit and he wanted to talk to the prophet Samuel who was deceased. And so he goes there, 1 Samuel 28, we read of this. And uh, the, the spirit comes up, the spirit supposedly of Samuel. And uh, the spirit tells them, listen, the Lord hath rent the kingdom out of thine hand and given it to thy neighbor, even to David. So the spirit Samuel comes back up and tells him, listen, you're going to die tomorrow. <laughs> you're playing with this whole idea today of playing with witchcraft, people talk, watching all these movies of, with magic and all of this stuff. It doesn't take you down a, you know, someone think, well, I've got power. The, the medicine men and all of this stuff, these, witch, these witches and medicine men, medicine women, and all of this stuff that is of the devil. But it doesn't bring freedom. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. There was a man called Simon in the Bible. He would bewitch people with his sorceries, and he had power, and he made much wealth through it. He noticed the disciples leading people to the Lord, and he was losing revenue, and so he ends up making a profession of faith, getting baptized, joining the church, and then at one point he comes up and he asks Peter, can I buy, essentially, the power that you have? 
And to Peter says to that, thy, many, thy money perish with thee, because thou hast thought that the gift of God may be purchased with money. So we think, well, I want money, so I'm going to start partaking in the, the magical arts. That's going to take you down a horrible road. How about drugs or alcohol? In 2 Timothy 2.26, And that they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil who are taken captive by him at his will. Proverbs chapter 20, verse 1, Wine is a mocker, strong drink is raging, and whosoever is deceived thereby is not wise. Alcohol will deceive you. Drugs will deceive you. Uh, addicting substances, prescription pills, whatever, they will deceive you. And then you have no freedom because then you have to continually partake of these substances to somehow have a, a normalcy to life. That's not freedom. Because you only get a temporary hit, a temporary high, a temporary escape, but you still, when the high comes off or the, 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 the drawn a blank, hangover comes upon you, you're left feeling like garbage, feeling bad, and now you've got to deal with life again. How about false religion? In Galatians, if you're still there in Galatians, turn with me to chapter 2, verse 4. Galatians chapter 2, verse 4. And that because of false brethren unawares brought in, who came in privily to spy out our liberty which we have in Christ Jesus, that they might bring us into bondage. In Galatians, he's dealing with Judaizers that are coming in and saying, you're not right with God if you're not circumcised. You're not right with God. And so these are people that come in and say, Christianity is this... But that's not all the truth, it's this also. Plus, this is what you need to be a real good Christian. So they're adding above what the Bible says. Or taking things out of context and adding to it. Like praying the rosary, praying to, you know, in Islam, praying to Mecca. Don't eat animals, like the whole Lenten season. That's a whole Catholic thing, that has nothing to do, that's not godly. Not eating or killing any animal for a period of time. I only eat fish on Fridays. You name it, all, this, all these restrictions and things that God doesn't have in his scriptures. You know, touch not, taste not, handle not, as Colossians talks about. These ordinances that people, the traditions of men that seek to bring us back into bondage. You didn't observe that holiday? <gasps> You're not a good Christian. There's always something to bring me, to try to, to, to push me to a place wherein it's a false concept of a relation. Well, you're not right with God if, and, and God does give us things, you know, if there's sin in your life, you're not right with God. You know what I'm saying? If you're not willing to deal with it, if God brings it to your attention, you don't deal with it, yes, you need to deal with it, okay? But what I'm saying is, is you're adding certain things that you need to do to somehow merit God's favor above just confessing and dealing with your sin. You know what? something else that may happen in your life? I want freedom, but this, it's kind of like a little brother or sister in your life. 
And they're like, I'm going to tell mom and dad because you just did this wrong. You know, and as I gave the illustration this morning, as you find uh, in our, uh, our, our bulletin, the illustration, you know, a little boy, he killed, accidentally killed a goose by throwing a stone at it. And the sister says, I saw you do that. So unless you do my dishes, I'm going, I'm going to tell mom. So the boy ends up doing his sister's dishes for a while until finally he says, this isn't freedom. So I'm going to go just go plain flat out. I'm going to confess it to mom, make it right. And then the sister's like, well, I'm going to tell mom if you don't wash his dishes. And the, and the brother's like, well, I'm not doing them because I already told mom. And this whole idea of removing a godly witness, you know what, I'm going to get rid of that person that's telling me that I'm doing wrong. I'm going to push them out. of. I don't like them. They're telling me I'm doing wrong. What did Saul seek to do? I mean, the, Jeremiah, Micaiah with Ahab. There was Ahab and he had the league with the, uh, uh, the, Ju- the uh, Judah, the king of Judah. I can't remember his name at the top of my head. So Ahab has a, the king of Israel and the king of Judah. They have an alliance. And, uh, you know, and then Ahab's mad at Micaiah. He's mad at Ahab. He's mad at uh, Elijah. He sought to, Jezebel sought to kill Elijah. What about Nebuchadnezzar killing the three Hebrew boys who won't bow down to the altar that he's created, which then shows that it's false idolatry, but they won't bow down because they know they're following God. How about John the Baptist who told Herod, hey, stop sleeping with your brother's wife. She didn't like it. She had his head cut off. You know what? I will be free if I just get rid of that... that that Bible thumper, that person who keeps telling me I'm doing wrong, if I can just somehow kill them or get them out of the way or shut them off or unblock or block them or delete them from my social media, then I'll be free. My conscience will be free. No, you won't. Abel's blood would still cry out. Herod would later on... In Mark 6, 16, when Herod heard thereof, he's hearing about Jesus, he said, it is John whom I beheaded. His conscience is still convicted about the man that he put to death. Just because you might remove them doesn't remove the conscience of the truth of your sin before God. You can't, just, you can't get freedom just because you remove a person from your life who's maybe telling you you're doing wrong. Rather than trying to shut off the truth, why don't you embrace the truth and say, listen, maybe they're not approaching it the right way, but why don't you embrace it and say, listen, I do have this issue in my life and I need to make it right. You know what, government, if we had our perfect, I mean, if we had the the party of your choice in power, whether it's liberal, well, the liberals are in power, NDP, PC, whatever choice you have. If they're in power, then we'll be free citizens. Look with me at 1 Samuel chapter 8, verse 4. You know what? If we finally just get a good, a good prime minister, then we'll be free. Isn't that, I mean, isn't that kind of our idea? We've got to fight. We are going to do it. We're going to give ourselves freedom back. We're going to get a good government. And I'm not saying we shouldn't vote. I'm not saying we shouldn't advocate for it. But wasn't that the issue with the Israelites? They had God leading them through the prophets. 
They rejected. Now Samuel's sons were not good. Samuel's sons were evil. And they defiled the, 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 the source there of defiled really the office of prophet, but 1 Samuel chapter 8, verse 4. So the people come to Samuel, then all the elders of Israel gathered themselves together and came to Samuel unto Ramah, and said unto him, Behold, thou art old, and thy sons walk not in thy ways. Now make us a king to judge us like all the nations. We need a real prime minister. We need a good king. I'm tired of having a prophet who talks with God as the head. I want a king like all the other world. We need a good government just like what the other nations of this world have. How did that turn out for Israel? He would go on to say, listen, they're going to tax you. They're going to take your brightest and your strongest men and put them in their armies. They're going to take your brightest and strongest men and use them for providing for the palace. I mean, you think, think about it today. We have monarchies and all these sorts of things that are propped up by the taxes of the people, and sometimes they have no value to the citizens. How about Herod would lift himself up in pride and then God would kill him? Proverbs 21.1, the king's heart is in the hand of the Lord as the rivers of water. He turneth it whithersoever he will. You know what? God can very well at any time just like Herod who would lift himself up in pride and he was eaten by worms, God can remove any bad or any leader of this world at any time that he wants. They can come down with cancer, they can come down with a disease, they can die in a car accident, they can die in a plane crash, whatever. God can depose of them anytime he wants to. So my freedom doesn't lie with what's happening in Ottawa. Does Satan have power? Yes. Calls him the prince of the power of the air. But the end of the story is he's going to burn in the lake of fire forever. How about Athaliah? Another story in 2 Kings. A mother of Ahaziah, he, he, was, he died. And so she, when, Ath, when her son Ahaziah dies, she takes all the remaining brothers, she kills all of them but one that got away, and Joash, and so she says, now I'm the queen and the head of Israel. And eventually they would turn on her and she'd cry, treason, treason, and then they would take her out of the temple and they would go kill her. Understand this, no politician can take your soul to heaven or send it to hell. Luke chapter 12, verse 5, But I will forewarn you, whom ye shall fear, fear him, which after he hath killed hath power to cast into hell. Yea, I say unto you, fear him. Ottawa can't send me to hell. Ottawa can't send me to heaven. It's only God. And a choice that what I do with God my choice of what I do with God will choose for me heaven or hell, what I do with Jesus Christ. You know what's something else that's happening in this day? Political correctness. I had someone make a friend request recently from me, and they had in their social media thing their pronouns, and I was like, ignore. I don't know. I, I didn't know the person, but I'm like, I don't care. Don't put pronouns in your social media and expect, I don't want it. <laughs> I don't, pronouns, if you can't tell by looking at me, I don't want it. 
but we're living in a politically correct environment that we're all, like, I mean, and I understand in the secular work, I, I understand you're in different circumstances, and there are some real challenges in your workplace, and, and, and I give it to you, it's very hard. We live in a very wicked world. But there are some things, right is right and wrong is wrong. Proverbs 29, 25, the fear of man bringeth a snare, but whoso putteth his trust in the Lord shall be saved. I want to look with you. When we kowtow and we uh, follow political correctness, I mean, I'm not talking about being untactful. I'm not talking about being rude, okay? But when we are wanting, I want to call sin, sin. But when I want to just follow the political correctness of the day and not deal with sin in a proper way, we find a story in that of the Bible, John chapter 9. That doesn't give me freedom, because now I'm walking on eggshells. I just saw a thing wherein the Associated Press said it's okay to say a woman has a baby. Are you kidding me? <laughs> That's nutting. That's not freedom. That's stupidity. John chapter 9. You know, in my own conscience, I, I'm not worried about this. In John chapter 9, verse 19. And they asked them, saying, Is this your son who you say was born blind? How then doth he now see? His parents answered them and said, We know that this is our son, that he was born blind. By what means he now seeth, we know not, or who hath opened his eyes, we know not. He is of age. Ask him, he shall speak for himself. These works spake his parents because they feared the Jews, for the Jews had agreed already that if any man did confess that he was Christ, he should be put out of the synagogue. His parents didn't want to say, listen, Jesus healed our son. Jesus did what was right. They didn't want to say Jesus did it. They said, well, go ask our son. They didn't want to risk offending the Pharisees and be put out of the synagogue just because they wanted to follow. The cow These parents couldn't say that Jesus had healed their blind son. How about Pilate? In so Matthew 27, 24, when Pilate saw that he could prevail nothing, but, rather, but that rather a tumult was made, he took water and washed his hand before the multitude, saying, I am innocent. Of the blood of this just person, see you to it. Pilate would assuage the crowd over justice. Political correctness would take matters over siding with truth. Jesus was innocent. But you know what? I'm thankful that Jesus went to that cross. You know, another thing that doesn't provide me freedom is entertainment. There in the, in the desert, Israel, when Moses was up on the mountain, they asked Aaron to create for them a calf. And so he did, and they, it talks about they rose up to eat and to drink and rose up to play. Entertainment, what it is that entertains. You know, we can become a people so filled with entertainment, we don't know how to just simply sit still and spend time with God. Athletics, physical capability isn't freedom, because when you get older, <laughs> there's not as much movement. Pleasure or rest doesn't produce freedom. Because we can become lazy, and then in our laziness, we end up letting things that we should have taken care of go to waste. Promises or covenants with man aren't freedom. 
Well, they, made, they promised me they would do it, and they didn't fulfill it. What happened with the Gibeonites when they made that covenant with Joshua? They wanted to spare their lives. If we can get the Israelites to agree to us, we're going to go, we're going to look like old beggarly people, and so we're going to make a covenant with them that they won't destroy us. Then it was found out by Joshua, why did you deceive us? And they said, well, because we know, you know, they'd say that God had given them the land. And, but then what would happen is, is they would be servants to Israel. That's not freedom. How about severed relationship with those who hurt you? Matthew 5, 22 through 24, that whosoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of the judgment. And whosoever shall say to his brother Raka shall be in danger of the council, but whosoever shall say thou fool shall be in danger of hellfire. Therefore, thou bring thy gift to the altar, and there rememberest that thy brother hath aught against thee. Leave there thy gift before the altar, and go thy way. First be reconciled to thy brother, and then come and offer thy gift. You know what, I'm just going to avoid that person. I'm not going to deal with the issue. That's not freedom. Because that bitterness will continue to come. In fact, in the story of the 10,000 talents and 100 pence, the man who was forgiven 10,000 talents wouldn't forgive the man who owed him 100 pence, and therein he wasn't free because it said the one who had forgiven him the 10,000 talents would turn him over to the tormentors, Matthew 18. So in all of these that I've listened, how do I find true freedom? Freedom ultimately in my conscience, is granted from one greater than myself. We had freedom from creation. I'd like you to look with me at John chapter 8, verse 31. All of those things I listed will produce, potentially, a short-lived temporal happiness. It'll produce... You know, you can go with a certain thing in your political correctness so long, but then one time you're going to mess up and then people might be angry at you. And, uh, you, and then uh, if, you're, if you do this and someone else is angry at you, or it could be politics, could be friends, whatever the case may be, someone's going to be offended at you. And so you have to know that in the freedom, God, is, God gave freedom. You can eat of everything. Your conscience can be free and clear. John chapter 8, verse 31. Then said Jesus to those Jews which believed on him, If ye continue in my word, then are ye my disciples indeed, and ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. They answered him, We be Abraham's seed, and we're never in bondage to any man. How sayest thou, ye shall be made free? Jesus answered them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Whosoever committeth sin is the servant of sin, and the servant abideth not in the house forever, but the son abideth ever. If the Son, therefore, shall make you, what does it say here? Free. You shall be free indeed. Freedom involves seeing that I am in chains to the sin of my life. And that I need deliverance. We're all born in bondage, just like the Israelites were born in Egypt during that 400 year period of bondage. And they would cry, and their cry would come up to God, please help us. And the realization that they needed rescuing, when they got under the heavy bondage, 
You know, oftentimes someone doesn't cry out to God or pray to God until they're in a very bad situation. I was talking with someone this week. Uh, they said they were an atheist, and I, I said, well, I said, I guess I've heard that there's no atheists in foxholes. You know, when gunfire's coming and mortars and whatever else is shooting at me, I'm thinking, I'm dying here. I hope I get out of here. I just want to go home. I just want to, you know, lay my head down to sleep tonight. But the Bible says, if Jesus, the Son, makes you free, you're free indeed. I don't get my freedom from any of those items I mentioned earlier. It's Jesus. Look with me at Romans chapter 5, verse 18. There is bondage from birth, but freedom is your choice. You choose whether you want freedom or not. Eve chose to go into bondage rather than stay in freedom. Romans 5.18 Therefore, as by the offense of one, judgment came upon all men to condemnation. Right? They ate the forbidden fruit. Even so, by the righteousness of one, Jesus, the free gift came upon all men into justification of life. For as by one man's disobedience many were made sinners, so by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous. Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound, but where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. That as sin hath reigned unto death, even so might grace reign through righteousness and eternal life by Jesus Christ our Lord. I choose Christ. I have deliverance from the judgment of the law. I'm free. Psalm 51.5, Behold, I was shaped in iniquity and in sin did my mother conceive me. Yes, I was born a sinner, but I don't need to say, stay a slave to sin. I don't need to stay a slave to man. And so if I want to be free, if I want freedom in my life, I need to hasten here, but in Psalm 50, I, I need to stop leaning on sacrifices. I need to stop leaning on the very things in, in Psalm 50, verse 7 and 8. Hear, O my people, and I will speak, O Israel, and I will testify against thee. I am God, even thy God. I will not reprove thee for thy sacrifices or thy burnt offerings to have been continually before me. Verse 10. For every beast of the forest is mine, and the cattle upon a thousand hills. Verse 11, Psalm 50. I know all the fowls of the mountains and the wild beasts of the field are mine. If I were hungry, I would not tell thee, for the world is mine. In the fullness thereof, will I eat the flesh of bulls or drink the blood of goats? Offer unto God thanksgiving and pay thy vows unto the Most High and call upon me in the day of trouble. I will deliver thee and thou shalt glorify me. What's he saying? God's saying, I don't want your sacrifices. I don't want your bulls. He says, listen, I already own them. And if I'm hungry, I've got the whole world I can choose from. He says, but what I want is I want your thanks. I want you, when you're in trouble, to call out to me. Let God be enough. In Judges chapter 7, verse 22, talking about Gideon, 
And the three hundred blew the trumpets, and the Lord set every man's sword against his fellow, even throughout all the hosts. And the hosts fled to Bethshitta in Zerarath, to the border of Abel-Meholah, unto Tabath. What happens here? Gideon comes with three hundred men against three against a huge, large, thousands and thousands and thousands of men. Three hundred men. God did a work. This entire army. They get so fearful. They start hacking and slashing each other and killing each other. My freedom doesn't come in my defense of myself. My freedom of my conscience and in my mind, it doesn't come in my mental uh, superiority. It comes as I yield and submit myself under the direction and the leadership and the love of God. Because no one can take my soul away. God can take a king away in a moment. God can turn a nation against itself. God can produce a fear in a nation of people against themselves to destroy themselves. I mean, it's kind of like what we have going on in the United States. They're destroying themselves by crazy ideologies. Showing it was a nation of so much pride. We are undefeated. I remember the president of the United States making, the former president, making some statements about the superiority of the United States and God can say in a moment, no, you don't. So he gives them a leader that can make a nation look very foolish. So you don't find freedom from government. You don't find freedom in your superiority. You find freedom in God's will. Being in the place that God wants you to be. Adam and Eve, God put them in the garden. He says, eat anything you want. Do all that you want. Just don't touch the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. You have freedom. There's freedom in God's presence. Adam and Eve would walk with the Lord daily. There's freedom in biblical morals. Because in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 9-11, through 11, and such were some of you. You know what? My past or your past, could be very spotty, and you don't want to talk about it, and that's okay. But God says, and such were some of you. You might have come from the sleaziest slums of wherever. But that's not your ending story. But, and such were some of you, but ye are washed, but ye are sanctified, but ye are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus by the Spirit of God. You're a cleansed, pure child of God freedom the world can say oh what a trashy person you are what a wretch you are oh i knew them when i was growing up and they were such a bad person but that's not what god thinks of you if you're right with god freedom is in a reliable source if the son therefore shall make you free you shall be free indeed freedom is in biblical love a love for god a love for one neighbor you know god makes a choice to choose to love us Look with me at Hosea chapter 14. Isn't it amazing? When I really think, I just want to, you know, the story in the the Bible of, of Peter, Paul and Silas, they're in prison and they're singing and chains on them. 
And they're singing to God in the prison. They were free. They were right with God. They were doing what God told them. They were right where they were supposed to be in prison at that time. There was freedom. Humanity doesn't give me freedom. Because any freedom they have, I don't want it because there are strings attached. Hosea 14.1, O Israel, return unto the Lord thy God, for thou hast fallen by thine iniquity. Verse 4 of Hosea 14. I will heal their backsliding. I will love them freely. For mine anger is turned away from them. God makes a choice to love us, though I failed him. Freedom is not being double-minded. <laughs> you can't serve God and mammon, as Matthew 6.24 tells us. I make a choice, I'm just going to love him. Adam and Eve, if they would have made a choice to just love God, they would have said no thank you to that forbidden fruit. No thanks. God's too good. There's freedom in praise. Free will offering of praise to the Lord in Psalm 54, 6. I will freely sacrifice into thee. I will praise thy name, O Lord, for it is good. You know what, humanity, it started with freedom, both in the soul and body. We had the charter, the Magna Carta, the greatest, you know, the author of, the doc, greater document than the Magna Carta was God, the author of freedom. Romans 8.21, because the creature itself also shall be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. Friend, if you're a child of God, you're in liberty and you're in freedom. Second Corinthians 3.17, Now the Lord is that Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. We come full circle in the end of the Bible. Because as you read the end of the book, we have free access to the water of life. Because on the tree of life, the bloody cross, our Savior died. Freedom is guaranteed for all who are redeemed and clothed in the righteousness of Christ. God takes all the filth and everything I've done. He takes his robes of righteousness, his perfect blood-bought robes, and he puts them over top of me. And God doesn't see what I've done. I'm innocent and free. I'm clean. I'm clear. And the judge of all the earth he looks at my record and he says, wow, paid in full. John 12, 31, 32, now is the judgment of this world. Now shall the prince of this world be cast out. And I, if I be lifted up from the earth, will draw all men unto me. Those bound by sin are excluded by the Lamb's book of life. All of those who are bound by sin and reject the freedom of Christ will be bound for eternity, never having a hope of freedom. Revelation 21.8, But the fearful and unbelieving and the abominable and murderers and whoremongers and sorcerers and idolaters and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death, and that is forever. Their conscience will now face never knowing another moment of liberty for eternity because they rejected the author of freedom. In conclusion, 
Revelation 22, 17, And the Spirit and the bride say, Come, and let him that heareth come, and let him that is a thirst come, and whosoever will, let him take the water of life freely. At the end of the book, he says, Listen, if you're a believer, you have free access to the water of life. Over a flowing abundance, it's yours. So may we let the liberty in Christ and freedom of soul be our legacy. Reject Egyptian syndrome of freedom. It was a whole lot better before I became a Christian. It was a whole lot easier before God started convicting my conscience. It was a whole lot easier before I tried to serve God. No, it wasn't. You're just believing the lies of Satan that Egypt was better than the will of God because you're looking at only a few small things and you're rejecting all the glories that God wants to provide for you because you continue to stay in Egypt rather than get in God's will for your life. In Galatians 5.13, For brethren, ye have been called into liberty, only use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh, but by love serve one another. Look with me at James 1.25. I'm almost done. Isn't it amazing what God wants to give us when He says, Redeemed. I can have a pure conscience. I can have a clean mind. You know what? We bring a lot of baggage with us in life. And sure, it does take some time. And it's the daily thing, the daily process of the Word of God pushing out the garbage, pushing out the junk that I've allowed in my life, and embracing the pure water of life freely. It's abundantly available to us. It's here in this Word. It's available as I spend time praying with Him, the blessed hour of prayer. James 1.25, But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty and continueth therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. Looketh into the law of liberty. If you want liberty, you need to continue. Don't forget what God has told you and continue to do it. And as you do it, greater blessings will flow. Elizabeth Keckley was a slave in Missouri before the Civil War. Her greatest desire was to purchase freedom for herself and for her son. Her master agreed that if she could raise $1,200 she could gain her freedom. Keckley worked as a seamstress and came up with a plan to go to New York City and work there to raise the money. But her owner feared that she would not return. Instead, some of her wealthy clients in St. Louis contributed the money she needed. And Elizabeth Keckley paid the price for her freedom as well as her son's. She moved to Washington, D.C., where she counted Mary Lincoln among her dressmaking clients. Without the help of someone else, Keckley would have never been able to purchase her freedom. All of us were enslaved to sin and with no hope of ever gaining freedom. In mercy and compassion, Jesus gave his life for us, purchasing our salvation, shedding his blood on the cross, and I'm now free and so are you from sin. But the freedom does not mean that we do whatever we want. Instead, we are to live how Jesus wants us to live because he bought my freedom. Final verse for this evening and I'm done. Romans 8, verse 1 through 4. You know, if we think about freedom from a biblical perspective, 
everything that's transpired over these last two years, three years, whatever, that have been so aggravating, so unnerving, if I get back and I'm just doing what God wants me to do, you know what, it's not going to bother me. It's not going to frustrate me. Because I'm living in the freedom that God's already purchased for me. Romans chapter 8, verse 1. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do, that it was weak through the flesh, God sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and for sin condemned sin in the flesh that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. You know what it's saying here, essentially, in freedom, I'm doing what God wants me to do because I want to know Him. And you know what? If I had an addiction in my life, or these things in my life, I don't have to follow them anymore. They don't have any power over me because I've got a greater power that can push those away. You know what, when we begin to realize who God is and the character of God and His love and His care and His kindness for us, sure, there's some unfortunate circumstances that may happen, trauma and other things, but God promises to be with us through those times. We have to stop trying to return to Egypt and basking in what Egypt offered. Instead, bask in the deliverance and the liberty granted in Jesus Christ. This world doesn't offer anything. Anything of any comparison to what God offers us. I was talking with a person just recently and they said, you know what, God just wants me to be miserable in this life. I said, that is not true. I said, that's a lie of Satan. God didn't come for me just to be miserable and whore, you know, just like, oh, I'm living... This person said, well, I guess it's the Baptist life. Well, it's not the Baptist life. I mean, religion, where you're trying to always do enough to appease God. It's, all, it's already been appeased. I don't need to appease him. I can't ever appease him. So I don't need to do anything. Jesus has done it all. I'm not trying to please him. I try to please him by, very, by living in appreciation of what he's given me not a miserable life it's miserable if you want to do it your own way so i took this person through several passages of scriptures and i said that's not true friend if you want to live in the freedom that god gave us at the first and avoid the shame and the discouragement and all the stuff that comes from living for your own lusts then he tells us as we just looked at Being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the word. I just want to know him. Spend time with him. And as I unite in that relationship, I'm free. I'm free in my mind. I'm free in my heart. I'm free in my conscience. Nothing between my soul and the Savior. And there is no greater freedom that this world can offer than the freedom and the purity that you know within your heart and mind that you're right with God and you're right with your fellow man, that's a glorious place to be.
And so if you've been desiring to go back to Egypt or you're looking at all of these certain things that I listed don't give freedom, then my friend, we need to simply just ask God, please forgive me for trusting in one of these things. And I had to in my own life. I thought, man, if we have a good government or we have a, you know, something else happens that might be, you know, an uprising or something, maybe we'll have freedom. No, we won't. No, we won't. I can be no more free than if I'm right with God. And my relationship is right with Him and my fellow man. So I ask you this evening, on the boundaries of freedom, are you staying within the boundaries that God has given to you? Or are you looking at those things that God has said, listen, these, aren't, these don't produce freedom. These don't produce the joy. We need to stop being like Eve, thinking, There's got to be more outside God's boundaries. No, there's not. There's only pain and sorrow. And so, as we come to the time of invitation, are you enslaved to any of these items? Friends? Politics? Power? Wealth? Vanity? Whatever the case. Any of those in your life, and you need to say, God, forgive me for trusting in these to produce the freedom that only you can give. So if I could have Mrs. Pat come forward for the time of invitation. We can't be double-minded. You can't serve God and mammon. You've got to make a choice. I either want God's way in freedom. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Or if I want it my way, right, Burger King. That's not freedom, that's bondage. So you choose. You go back to the beggarly elements of this world, Galatians 4, 9, or you choose the liberty that God's already purchased for you. As the music plays, however the Spirit of God may have spoken to you this evening, I trust that you would just talk with God. A little lengthier of a sermon. Friend, God did not make us to be a people in our minds and hearts that are bound by the emotional baggage of this world. I have a way to freedom. God doesn't reject us. He seeks to get us out of Egypt and into the promised land. Christian, may we live free in our hearts and minds. However God may have spoken, I trust that you do business with God. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, you're stuck in Egypt. You're you're bound. You're enslaved to sin. Maybe to religion, I trust tonight that you just call out and say, God, please forgive me. God, I'm a sinner condemned to hell, and I understand it. That Jesus died on that cross and rose again because you you want me to have liberty. So God, in simple faith, I ask you to be my Savior. Forgive me of all my sins. If you ask something like that with God in true, heartfelt repentance, you'll be gloriously saved. Christian, we've been called unto liberty. It's a wonderful thing to be free. As the music comes to a close here, we'll end in prayer. 
I trust the message tonight was a real encouragement to your heart and a challenge. Friend, it is an amazing thing to be a child of God. We, as we begin to reflect on what we have as his child, let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I love you. God, I feel very unworthy. Thankful, Lord, for the freedom and the liberty that we can enjoy in your presence, in your word. No matter where we're at, whether we're here, or even like Corey Ten Boom was there in the concentration camp, and yet they could read your word and read the truths of a glorious Savior. Father, I pray that we would not turn to the beggarly elements of this world to seek for momentary peace, but God, we turn to the God of all peace, you, for the freedom of our heart, our minds, and our conscience, and that God, we would be the freest of all people, because God, we know you're in charge. Lord, I love you. Thank you for these truths that you've given. In your precious name I pray. Amen. God.